We're Jill and Jenna, sisters who believe that gut health is the baseline required to live your best life. But health is way more than that. So we've made it our mission to take a deep dive into gut health, mental health, fitness, nutrition, and more. Interviewing experts, having real conversations, all while making sure all of the information is digestible. Welcome Welcome to to our our Gut Talk. If you've been following us for a while, you know there's one probiotic that is our tried and true. It is Just Thrive Probiotic. It's a spore-based probiotic. And let me tell you a quick little story. So about eight months ago, I got my gut tested through muscle testing as a checkup with my functional practitioner. And she basically told me that my gut was doing amazing, which is so great to hear because you all know that I've struggled for years with gut issues. And one of the supplements that I took consistently was this Just Thrive probiotic. So I definitely contributed to some of my healing and think that it was a big part. But I want to tell you a little bit more about this probiotic. So first of all, did you know that 99.9% of the probiotics on the market die in your naturally harsh stomach acid before they even get to where they're needed? Just Thrive is different by design. So their proprietary strains have been third-party clinically tested and proven to arrive 100% alive in your gut to be able to do all of the great things that they do. They also have a thousand times better survivability versus yogurt, Greek yogurt, and all the leading probiotics. They support your immune health in your digestive system where 70% of it lives, as well as boost energy, improve sleep, promote healthy skin, and much more. We love them, we take them confidently, and we can tell you that they, we definitely have experienced the benefits. So you too can get some by going to justthrivehealth.com. We have a code GTG for 15% off. That is justthrivehealth.com and use our code GTG 15% off. And you know we link everything in our show notes. If you haven't heard of Olipop, well, you're missing out. One, because they're a new kind of soda. And two, they're actually the fastest growing functional beverage brand in America. They have delicious nostalgic flavors like vintage cola, classic root beer, orange squeeze, classic grape, and Dr. Goodwin that I'm currently loving because it tastes just like Dr. Pepper and brings me back to when I was a kid and would get that whenever I'd go to a restaurant and then beg my parents for two or three more cups. The catch here is that Olipop has three grams of sugar compared to Dr. Pepper that has 39 grams. It's crazy. Also, Olipop uses functional ingredients that combine the benefits of prebiotics, plant fiber, and botanicals to support your microbiome and benefit digestive health. They're the best. So, of course, we got a code for you. You can use the code GUTTALK, that's G-U-T-T-A-L-K, for 20% off of your order, you can go to drinkolipop.com slash gut talk or just type it into the discount code. We recommend trying out the sampler pack so you can try all the different flavors and then pick which one that you like. So, of course, again, go to drinkolipop.com slash gut talk for 20% off. Hope you enjoy it. Hey, Jenna. What's up, Jilly? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm pretty pumped up about the episode. We have Dr. Bill Rawls mm-hmm. on today, and he really brings a new approach to medicine in general. And I just found the episode to be incredibly enlightening, and it really gives a new perspective on health. Yeah, and a little bit more about Dr. Rawls. So he's a fourth-generation physician, and basically he was practicing conventional medicine, ran himself to the ground. He was dealing with things from chronic chest pain, heart issues, fatigue. He lost the ability to exercise and so much more to feeling the best he ever has now. And he did that not through practicing conventional medicine, but from truly finding the root cause, especially herbal medicine, which you're going to hear more about in this episode. And what I really love is he talks about promoting healing rather than just like fixing the issue, the symptom itself. He wants to go a few levels further and actually figure out what the root cause of the issue is and fix it. That way you live a healthier life instead of just constantly putting these medications and band-aids over the problems that you're having. Yeah, and some of this might sound a little complex, but we really had him break it down into that digestible format that you know we love. 
And he goes into things like the importance of sleep, which we all know that's important, but we didn't realize how important it is. And he really made us recognize that as well as going more into leaky gut, the factors that promote illness and how to change your life in order to not experience that and gives a lot of tips that are going to be really helpful. And, you know, I'm going to tell you to like sit down and take some notes on this too, because there's a lot of things you can take and apply to your life today. Yeah, I really think we will benefit with more doctors like Dr. Rawls mm-hmm. out there in the world because I do believe in medicine, um, but I also believe in alternative medicine. And I think he brings the two together really well. So really looking forward for you all to listen to this episode. Yes, we're very excited. We link all of his information in the show notes, including having a little discount code for the supplements that he sells. So very excited to bring on that. We also read his book called The Cellular Wellness Solution that we linked as well. And he talks a little bit about it in the episode too. All right. Well, enjoy Gut Talk. Here's Dr. Rawls on Gut Talk. Jen and I were chatting about how uh, we wanted to get started and we know that at one point in time you were more so, I guess what you could would call like a conventional doctor. Or West, how would you describe it? <laughs> conventional? Yes. Um, conventional training, went to medical school, uh, practiced <laughs> obstetrics and gynecology for almost 20 years. Um, did OBGYN though because it was more wellness focused and I did a lot of uh, counseling about diet and and other things in that career but certainly not to the degree that I do now and certainly not to the degree of understanding that I have now and what I we know but if what happened in your life that made you change directions? Yeah, I I crashed. Um, I lost my health completely. And it was, it was from not paying attention, you know, and just not paying attention to things that we all ought to be paying attention to. Specifically, that was not sleeping. Um, You know, practicing OBGYN in a small town, I was taking call every second to third night. And that went on for years. And You know, in my 30s, I could get away with it. But creeping up late 40s, I just couldn't tolerate it because I was one of those doctors that if somebody was in labor or the hospital or, you know, anything, I was awake. You know, I so I virtually stayed up every other night or every time I was on call and I eventually lost my ability to sleep completely and everything just crashed. My whole body fell apart. Um, So heart dysfunction, brain symptoms, but GI was a big part of it. You know, 75% of the foods that I was, I was, uh, that I ate, I had food sensitivities to really bad leaky gut, dysbiosis, reflux, everything. And that was a big eye opener. Um, So ultimately changed my life, changed my professional direction. Um, became something more like a functional medicine doctor before there even was such things, with the exception that I started using herbs early on, and that has been a major emphasis in my practice and what I do with my career at this point. And you said how much you kind of neglected your sleep for it sounds like decades and one thing Jen and I talk about is we think that people today don't really even understand how badly they feel because it's become normalized did you realize at the time how bad it was or were you just like go 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 and and not really understanding how much better you could have felt You know, there were a lot of misconceptions back in the 80s and 90s about diet, but also sleep and everything else. And there was this prevailing discussion that of questioning whether we needed sleep. Why do we really need to sleep? Can't we just, you know, crash for four hours and try to get in some deep sleep during that time? And isn't that enough? And if if you, you know, if you're good, you can just push through it. And I bought into that, you know? So even when I wasn't on call, that time between 10 and 12, one o'clock, that was kind of my time that there was nobody else. There were no distractions and I would stay up reading or computer or whatever I wanted to do. But then it was back up and hit it again at 6.30 or seven in the next morning. So, you know, I was, I bought into this idea that yeah, do we really need to sleep? And 
now I see, you know, fundamentally how that is such an integral part of our lives. So I have patients all the time, you know, it's, it's like, ah, I'm so fatigued, I have no energy, I just feel terrible all the time, I have such a hard time getting going during the day, and it's like, well, how much are you sleeping at night? Mm. It's like, oh man, I'd really struggle to get four or five hours, and it's like, well, duh. You know? There you go. <laughs> You're like, do you need me to tell you that? <laughs> right. So, but people yeah. don't get it, yeah, they don't recognize. Average America sleeps six and a half hours. That's not enough. Mm. Yeah. And you're recommending? Seven and a half to eight, but good, good sleep, you know, good quality sleep. And, you know, the fact of the matter is when we're watching stimulating television and on computer screens and everything else till nine, 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know, we're just not going to initiate those pathways that put us into restful sleep. And, I learned that the hard way. I'm really particular about my sleep now, but I recognize, you know, that's that's an issue and it affects everything. When you say you're particular, how so? You know, I start cutting them off my brain early in the evening. Um, I'm really careful about screens or, or how I consume information after about nine o'clock. And I'm very, very careful about caffeine, especially. Um, I am particularly with that kind of history, caffeine sensitive. Some people, you know, they can drink two cups of coffee before they go to bed and crash and they're fine. But a lot of people don't. And so I'm very particular about caffeine and other things that I do to my life, cut down the lights and just kind of initiate kind of that restful time of going to sleep and allow your body to get sleepy, you know? I mean, yeah. I, I I used to fight sleep. It's like, I can stay awake, I can stay up one more hour, right. you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah. now it's like, oh, just just let yourself go, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jill and I, we love sleep. We're like, we have our whole sleep routine, we have the nightly routine, and so we're trying to get everyone in the Gut Talk community to be obsessed with sleep like we are because we realize how impactful it is on our lives every single day you know if we have energy Everything. we feel good to do exactly so Everything. um and one thing that because from reading your book we read that you also were diagnosed with lyme was that kind of part of the that time where you crashed and then you found herbs from that or were you doing herbs previous to being diagnosed with lyme no, the, the herbs really came after that discovery. And, you know, my whole body was falling apart. They tested my thyroid. They tested everything. And I really just couldn't find a good diagnosis. So I ended up, like a lot of people, being thrown in that category of fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue, mm. which nobody wants those diagnoses because they just never go anywhere. You know, they, you can treat the symptoms. But the conventional medical system really doesn't have much to offer. So, you know, I was like so many people, if I can just find something else. And so I tested repeatedly and finally found, you know, that I was carrying some of the microbes associated with Lyme disease. And I was like, yes, finally got an answer. Mm -hmm. Take antibiotics, I'll be fine. But I didn't, <laughs> you know, it made me worse. It made my GI tract worse. It, uh, it was not good. And I have since come to you know, I, I really don't use the concept of diagnosis the way that some physicians do, you know, so we want the diagnosis so we can define the treatment protocol, which is typically with drugs or surgery. And for many acute illnesses, like you break your leg or you have your heart, have a heart attack, it works. But when you look at chronic illnesses, because we're not addressing the underlying causes, we address the manifestations. So we're taking drugs or whatever to block symptoms and block you know, the processes of the illness, but we're not fixing the illness. And for that reason, 60% of our population is struggling with a chronic illness, you know? I mean, your area, gastrointestinal health, um, gut health, you know, when what we do in conventional medicine is mostly address the symptoms of the illness, but not the underlying causes. So people typically don't get well. And a lot of the drugs 
like the acid inhibitors and that, that sort of thing actually make the problem worse. And so it's, it's really, we have to change how we're looking at things. We, you know, we have to start asking different questions. And that's what I've been doing for the past 15 years of my career is just asking questions differently. And the book I wrote is really a summary of that, you know, 15, 20 year journey to take people to a different place. What are some of the other chronic uh, illnesses that you see pretty commonly in your practice? You know, it's, I've seen a variety of everything, but again, I don't, you know, when, when somebody comes in and they have a chronic illness, and often people get caught in this situation where, you know, this, this, this diagnostic system we have is very dysfunctional. A lot of people end up with being in this place, what I call chasing a diagnosis, that it's like, well, they think, you know, I've got some symptoms of MS and some things are with that, and but maybe it's some kind of autoimmune. They're not quite sure. And because they don't know, they're not really giving me treatment. And I used to do that in my office. I would get these people that were seeing a specialist and going through this very frustrating thing. And I would look at them and say, you know, what we're gonna try to do is get you well before they find a diagnosis. Yeah, so it's asking that question, why is the patient sick? You know, what has come together to bring them to this place? And when you start asking that question, especially if you take that down to the cellular level, then you start looking at things very differently and it puts you on a different playing field. And that diagnosis, while it may remain important, it's not as important. It's not the main thing. So I don't really care what diagnosis someone has. I know that the root causes for all illnesses are going to be very similar. And if I'm addressing root causes instead of treating a diagnosis, then there's a very good chance that that person is going to get well. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, as I know you talk a lot, obviously, about at the cellular level. Um, can you explain what you mean to the audience a little bit more? Like if, if someone comes in who's really unhealthy, right? Yeah. What is diagnosing at the cellular level even look like? Okay. You got to think small. <laughs> Break it down. <laughs> yeah, you got to think small with me. All right. So okay. the, you can always simplify things by breaking something down to its smallest functional unit. All right. So your cell phone, the smallest functional unit is the cell phone. Your car, the smallest functional unit is the car. A 747, the smallest functional unit is the 747. And if a part breaks in one of those things, then you, don't, you can't use it until the part is replaced or fixed. We aren't built like that. You know, we think of our body as a whole, but we're a composite of trillions and trillions of cells. So the smallest functional unit in the body is a cell. And that cell, the individual cells are independently functioning units that all work in synergy. So when we talk about hormones and nervous system and everything else, what those things are doing is coordinating all those cells to work together. So your heart isn't a unit. Your heart is a composite of all the cells. And part of the beauty of that is you can lose cells and your heart will keep right on functioning. And the other thing that's really great about cells is unlike your car, your cell phone, your cells are constantly repairing internal damage or regenerating new cells. So that's a really cool thing. You know, our body has the ability to fix itself. Mm -hmm. And what is happening is cells are recovering from stress. Um, so cells have to work pretty hard. One of the reasons we need that eight hours of sleep is because that's when our cells have downtime to do repairs. It's really important. So we hear that word healing. What it is referring to is the ability of cells in the body to repair and regenerate. So that's happening all the time, but for cells to do that, they need nutrients, they need a clean environment, they need downtime, they need sleep. 
they need good blood, good flow of blood from from exercising. So they need all of these things, and if they don't get them, they start breaking down. That and so if cells have, you know, if if you've got ongoing stresses that are compromising cellular functions, that's what chronic illness is. And we have a lot of different chronic illnesses because we have a lot of different cells in the body that can be stressed different ways. But when you look at chronic illness is chronic cellular stress that's inhibiting cellular functions, then you start addressing, you know, you look and saying, all right, how do we reduce these stresses? When you do that, when you start reducing these cellular stresses, that's when everything starts to turn around. And so it doesn't really matter what diagnosis someone has, most of those root causes are gonna be the same. And I think you call these factors that promote illness and that's what causes the stress on the cells. Can you name, because I think what, what I've continuously said is it's important to understand why, what these stressors are in order to change them, right? So. Right. We all know like diet being one, but if you can go into maybe three or four of the most common factors that promote illness, so people can start, you know, turning their heads and being like, what, what are these things that I'm doing to my body that could probably be causing stress on these step on, right. on the cells? That's a really cool thing. All right. So I started looking at, you know, took any illness, take multiple sclerosis, take anything to kind of take gastrointestinal illnesses and you start tracing the root causes, you come back to those factors all, always, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's actually only five, very specifically five categories of things that are the root causes for all chronic illness. And we have different illnesses because we have different cells and those things can come together differently. So you got the first one, um, nutrition. You have to eat the right foods. And right now we're eating a, a diet loaded with carbohydrates and processed ingredients that not only doesn't work for our GI tract, it doesn't work for our cellular functions. So we're poisoning ourselves with carbohydrates. So, so that's a huge one, excessive carbohydrates. And that drives a lot of gastrointestinal function. So what's number two? Toxic environment next. Mm -hmm. So we're all exposed to stuff that wasn't here a hundred years ago, right? We're using petroleum, we're driving cars, we're making plastics, we're burning coal, and this is putting out all these unnatural hydrocarbons, and when they get in our system through breathing air, through food, through water, or applying it on our skin, these things are absorbed and basically they're abnormal organic chemicals that just basically get stuck in our cells and inhibit functions. So it, it, it enhances, it, it inhibits cellular functions so cells don't work as well. So, they're, so they basically have to work harder and use more energy because their functions are inhibited. That's affecting every cell in the body, every single one. And excessive carbohydrates, same thing. It's, it's affecting every cell in the body. So that's toxic environment. And in that, I also include radiation. We've got a lot of unnatural radiation that not only affects our cells directly, but affects messaging in the body. So we use a lot of chemical messengers, but there's also electrical fields that our cells give off that are very important, and we can interfere with that. So that's a subtle thing. If you're healthy, it won't bother you. But I have people with chronic illness that have to live out in the country and can't use any electromagnetic devices because it drives wow. them crazy. Um, it really just throws their energy levels down, down to nothing. So that, so environment. Um, third, yes, let's get to the mental stress. Um, so when you are, uh, pushing that stress button all the time. You've got schedules and deadlines and all of these things going on. You know, you light up that fight or flight response that was meant to be used intermittently, like just running from a tiger or something. Now it's turned on all the time. And when we turn that on, it sets the environment inside of the body such that our cells don't get a chance to recover. 
So we stay turned on, cells don't get that downtime to do that healing, to do that internal repair that's so important for every cell in the body. Things start breaking down and that affects sleep. So not only is sleep important for just recycling your brain and getting all your brain functions back in order, kind of like restarting your computer, it's really important for cellular rest, for cells to rebuild. Fourth category is exercise. And that is really important. The most important thing we do with exercise, you know, there are a lot of great stuff with exercise, but the big thing is we move blood. Really important. So when you start exercising, even just going for a walk, you increase your heart rate, you dilate your blood vessels, you get blood flowing, and that causes fluid to flow into that cellular space. So you get enhanced delivery of nutrients, but you also get enhanced removal of toxic waste and metabolic waste. So it's really important for cells to have that, to be able to purge toxins, to get rid of those things that are inhibiting their functions. Everybody talks about detox protocols and fasting and all this, but the first step is just getting out and taking a walk. You do more to detox your body walking a couple of miles than you do with a three-day fast. That's noted, everyone. Yeah, yes. I was going to say. Last category, um, microbes, and that's the big one. And we can go as deeply into that as you want, but, you know, it's more than just COVID or infections we get. We have all kinds of things that are circulating in our body all the time. And that, I think, is why we get different illnesses, because we all pick up different microbes through our lifetime. From the time, you know, I actually pulled a study um, that this past weekend that they've documented that microbes do flow from the placenta in utero, and we actually start uh, populating the fetus with microbes well before it's born. And that may be a very important part of immune development. So we're actually getting, so this is, this is new information. We didn't think this way 10 years ago or 20 years ago. This is new information that we're actually transferring microbes before we're born. So that's really important for any new or, you know, or mothers out there. Yeah, it's really important for you to be healthy during that pregnancy because you're giving your baby a lot more than your genes. You're giving your baby your microbiome. Wow. It makes sense, right? Like on a pretty high level, it makes sense, but it's, it's cool that there's now the data out there that supports that. One thing that um, I'm interested to learn more about is, so you're, you're talking about these factors that are affecting our, our overall health so you see someone in your practice and they have a lot of these underlying issues besides fixing their rest and their sleep and their environment and the way they're eating. How are you utilizing herbs? Yeah, that was the big fascinating thing, right? So I identified with Lyme disease and it was like I had the antibiotics aren't working. I really didn't have the resources to go chasing experts around the country. And um, so I uh, found a book written by a guy named Stephen Booner about using herbs with Lyme disease. And by the way, he's, he's just passed away recently. Um, he uh, lived a long life and it was extremely prolific. He is contributing so much information about herbal medicine. But um, I read that book and it was like, you know, he cited several thousand people that had had benefit. He documented the antimicrobial properties of the herbs. And these aren't typically things that you'd find like at a health food store or something like that. Um, and made a pretty compelling case. So I researched the safety of the herbs and they were safe. Um, they were certainly within my budget where a lot of things that people were doing for Lyme disease just weren't. And it was like, yeah. I'm going to try this. I did not have high expectations because my training had biased me against herbs, but mm, yeah. it's like, I don't really have many options here. This thing has to work. 
and yeah. I started taking these herbs, and I, I really, you know, went full full into it. I was taking literally handfuls of capsules of these really concentrated extracts every wow. day, and within a couple of months, it started getting better. I started, you know, all of my symptoms, not one or two, but all of my symptoms started to ease, and and it really took some time, right? So I had really severe gut dysfunction. Um, I had very bad heart involvement. You know, my heart was like skipping a beat every second to third beat, and I had chronic chest pain. I had neurological symptoms. So it took about three to five years for it to get better, but all the symptoms got better. Um, so you have to, to look at that. You know, this was around age 50. I was in a place that I had had to stop doing obstetrics. I, I was trying to stay working, which was really hard. Um, I lost the ability to exercise to any significant degree. I mean, I was basically just crawling into the office in the morning and, and trying to get through a day every day just to make enough to make enough to me make ends meet. And I started getting better. And like a lot of people, you know, when I got to about 70, 80% better, it was like, it was, you know, I was ordering, having to order these things from all over. And it's, so I kind of let them ran, run out. And it's like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm better now. And then some stress had come along and I'd be right flat on my feet again. And this went back and forth for several years. And finally, I just said, you know, I don't feel bad when I'm taking the herbs. My gut function is actually better taking the herbs. I'm going to just keep taking them. So I've been taking a basic assortment of herbs for 15 years. And everything got better, right? Mm. Not just the Lyme symptoms. Everything in my life got better. I got everything back and then some. I was healthier by the end of it than before back in my 30s. Wow. And of course, I was eating better and paying attention to sleep and all of these things. Sure. But here I am at 65 and I'm still kite surfing. But, wow. things, but awesome. other things cleared up, right? So mm -hmm. I was taking these herbs thinking, yeah, I'm killing these microbes. That's what they're doing. But as I started studying them, I learned that they were doing a lot more. And I'll we'll talk about that. But when I was in my 30s, I was diagnosed with essential hypertension. When I went into the doctor, typically my blood pressure would be 150 over 100 at any time. And my blood sugar was going up like a lot of people. Um, cholesterol was going up. This was my, you know, late 40s. Um, I tried the drugs for hypertension and it just all made me feel terrible. So it's kind of like, you know, I'm just going to have to live with this. And I kind of forgot about it and just didn't, didn't mess with it. And then the Lyme, you know, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, Lyme, whatever you want to call it, came along. And I, uh, I, so I started taking all these herbs and I took the herbs for years and I noticed my blood pressure was getting better. And now, age 65. So essential hypertension is something you get, and supposedly it's hereditary, and it gets worse through your through time. So the older you get, the worse it gets. I've been taking herbs 15 years. My blood pressure, typically on any visit, is like 115 over 70, perfectly normal. I don't take any drugs for it. My mm -hmm. cholesterol is better than when I was in my 40s, and my blood sugar is great. And wow. yeah, sure, diet and sleeping and all those things are part of it, but the herbs have given me a healing potential that I didn't recognize. So, so much of my life over the past 15 years has been studying the science of how these herbs were working at a deeper level, at a cellular level. And so if someone's listening and they're like, okay, I totally believe in what you're saying, and I too want to start using herbs to improve my overall health. Where do you start? Is there a good book? Is there a podcast? Like, <laughs> what, do, what do you do? What In today's world, how do you educate yourself? Because if you don't live in Wilmington and they can't come see you, right. how do you start uh, educating yourself on that? Yeah. 
Well, d- truly, that's why I wrote the book. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the, the cellular wellness solution is a composite of all the things that I've learned over the past two decades. But it, uh, so the book is a different way of understanding that spectrum between illness, wellness and illness, looking at it at the cellular level and really digging down to understanding that this is a really simpler way of understanding things that once you understand it in that way, you know, it, it puts you in a better place to be proactive. But the book is also a book on how to embrace herbs. Um, so I give uh, so you know a, a basic starter list of herbs and a lot of things that people need need to know about herbs, but it's not written like most herb books. Um, so as I was going through this, I tr- studied all the herbal traditions, tr- traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, you know the different traditions around the world, and. I respect those things. I think they're important, but they were all pre-science. So they didn't know how the herbs were affecting cells or what they were doing at a molecular level. You know, it was more just observations of what happens when they use the herbs, which I think is valuable. But to my Western training, I needed to know what they were doing deeper. And the fact of the matter that what we're doing with the herbs is we're robbing their defense and regulatory systems. So a plant is a multicellular organism just like we are. And they have the plant has to protect itself against free radicals and toxic substances and every imaginable microbe and also regulate all those cellular functions. So plants do that with chemistry. It's been said that plants are the most sophisticated chemist on earth. So they solve problems with chemistry a lot of the same problems that affect our cells and our health. So when we take an herb, we, in, we take that chemistry into our system that is protecting our cells and also has you know, robust antimicrobial properties against viruses, bacteria, protozoa, everything. So you're getting this really sophisticated, intelligent, um, system of 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 uh, of cellular protection from the herb, and you know, and that's why I ended up calling the book the cellular wellness solution because that's what it's all about. When you understand illness at that cellular level and how the herbs are actually protecting our cells and reducing cellular stress, it all starts to make sense. So what we're doing with a with a drug is blocking processes that manifest as symptoms. What we're doing with an herb is, in most herbs, you know, there's a pretty broad spectrum of what we define as an herb. The herbs that I'm referring to, what we're doing is protecting cells from stress. So we're reducing cellular stress, we're reducing the amount of energy the cell needs to use, and it has time to repair itself. So what we're doing with an herb as opposed to a drug is we are directly promoting healing. And that's something that no drug can actually do. So that's the true value of the herbs is they promote healing, not just for one cell in the body or one system of the body, everything. And that's really the remarkable thing about herbal therapy that I discovered I mean, I'm sitting here like how many people are going to be listening to this podcast and next thing you know, it's like, how do we start utilizing that? Because I think one of the problems that I see so much, especially with social media is there's a lot of people that call out the issues, but there are a lot fewer people that provide easy solutions. And when I say easy, you have to be, I'm assuming you have to be pretty diligent. Like you explained, you can't let off the herbs, right? Like it's a consistent process, but a lot of times the solution is spend thousands of dollars utilizing this practice or that practice, or it it seems like in today's world, the uh, root causes, we're making them a lot more complicated than they need to be because people have found, once again, like money in, in the industry. And so one of the things we really try to do with this podcast is take experts who have done the research and applied the science and proved that there are things you can do to prevent all of this from happening in the first place. Sure. And that 
you can you know you can really build up your health to the point where you don't need you know these band-aid solutions and um like you said like blocking um maybe symptoms but not actually fixing the problem that's causing those symptoms yeah 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 and the herbs make it easy you know a lot of people out there are doing biohacking that they're measuring all their hormones and tweaking this and tweaking that you know and mm -hmm. and if you are enhancing cellular wellness cells will do that for you <laughs> so the herbs make biohacking really easy you know you just don't have to work as hard and um so other things about the herbs that i think are important for people to know you know i mentioned that antibiotics just really wreck my gut one of the really interesting things about the herbs is it's not one chemical like an antibiotic it's a spectrum of hundreds of chemicals that works like a system so they do have antimicrobial properties but that are well documented but it's selective for pathogens and that was really interesting of something that i noticed and has since actually been documented in a scientific study that herbs suppress pathogens in the gut and in the rest of the body, but they don't suppress normal flora. So very interestingly, I found that many herbs are better for balancing your gut flora than probiotics are. So I typically don't use probiotics very much anymore because the herbs are doing such a nice job of balancing all, these, all of our gut flora. Um, so even taking them long term, they're not going to be disruptive. So you get this really balanced effect. But there is a range of what we define as herbs. And there's some herbs that do, of course, have drug-like effects. And I talk about that in the book. So there's some guides in the book about, you know, here's a nice, friendly group of herbs that aren't going to have drug-like effects, are mainly working by promoting healing and promoting cellular wellness. So, you know, so it gets people in that category of uh, making it really easy to adopt the herbs and, and, you know, using things. The other thing I'd say really quickly is combining herbs has a lot of value instead of going out and getting just one herb. Um, when you combine herbs, like some herbs are really good for protecting your liver. Some herbs are really good for protecting your brain. They're affecting all the cells in the body, but you know, their characteristics are a little more. So when you combine, and typically we use like five or so herbs in a formula, you can get that full range of protection that gives you uh, a lot more with the sum effects of the herbs than you would get you know, from individual herbs. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. And one thing that I read in your book that I need to refer back to because I need this soon is the herbs that promote calm. Help everyone understand when you're talking about these herbs, are you talking about these five different ones in a capsule or can we put herbs on a stove and boil them and sip them as a tea if say I wanted the ones yeah. that promote calm um, or all the above? It's all of the above, but mm -hmm. I will say that, um, you know, they're different. They're, there's a pretty complex chemistry in the plant that we want to get. Um, and when you're getting it, when you're using a tea, you're just getting the aqueous based um, forms of that. Um, and you're not getting a high concentration of the phytochemicals e too. So I think teas are great. I think they're, you know, mm -hmm. I, I drink teas, but as far as relying on something for my everyday health. Um, something that's just compact, easy, that I can do every day are standardized herbal extracts. And these are powdered extracts. Um, you know, you can buy them independently and, you know, take multiple capsules. Uh, one of the things we do, one of the, my specialties is formulating, you know, pulling herbs together. And the guidelines that I use for formulation are not only respecting those historical uses of an herb, but also what is the phytochemistry of the herb and how is it affecting our physiology and chemistry. So I think that's important for looking at them. So you've probably heard of herbal tinctures, right? So it yes. comes in a little bottle, it's a liquid. So what we're doing that compared to a tea, so a tea you get a dried herb, and, and so you're pulling some of the aqueous chemicals out of the, out of the plant, or that, that dried herb. Um, with a tincture, 
What they've done is they have taken water and alcohol, usually about 40% alcohol, and the alcohol is pulling a wider spectrum of chemicals. So they soak the plant's parts in the water and alcohol to get as much of that full spectrum chemistry from the plant as we can. And then they discard the plant parts because you, you, know, you don't really need that extra fiber with an herbal product like that. Get your fiber from eating vegetables. Um, so the tincture, you typically take drops or dropper fulls to, to get use that. And they're really good and I use a lot of tinctures, but one step further is a standardized powdered extract. And what that is, is they take a water alcohol tincture, spray it on a surface, dry off the water and alcohol so you're not getting the alcohol, collect the powder and put it in a capsule. So that's a really strong preparation that is giving you the full spectrum of the phytochemistry of the plant in a really convenient little package. There's some things that just don't work well with with you know powdered extracts, but most herbs do, and most of the time these uh, the chemicals come through just fine. Um, so that's a really nice way, you know. So getting up and taking three three capsules um, may be the equivalent of taking a to a, a couple of teaspoons of of a tincture. So it's, um, it's just a really convenient way to get herbs, you know, they travel easy and that sort of thing. Yeah, and you mentioned, so you had leaky gut when you were struggling and when your health was declining. A lot of people with gut issues that are having these digestive issues and we now know, you know, maybe even autoimmune diseases and things like that, they're dealing with that leaky gut. And so, yes, we need to take care of our stress and we need to do, you know, address those factors that you mentioned. But when it comes to something like doing herbs, what was typically something that you su suggest or do you, if a lot of people listening to this are struggling with what yes. is considered leaky gut? Yeah. Well, you know, it's looking at very briefly looking at the root causes of most gut dysfunction and mm -hmm. bacterial overgrowth is a big part of of, of uh, the whole gut dysfunction thing. But basically what's happening is you can root a lot of it to what people are eating and stress. So bacteria grow as long as food and the right conditions are present. And so if you eat a high carbohydrate diet, you're providing a lot of food for bacteria, but you're also doing other things. High carbohydrate processed food diets slow gastric intestinal motility and suppress stomach acid. So if you suppress stomach acid, you're not killing bacteria in the stomach and you're providing more food and you're increasing the time that they can grow. So we have increase, so we have overgrowth of H. pylori and other kinds of things in the gut rooted to those two things, uh, you know, high carbohydrate diet Stress, the big thing that stress does is it slows motility. If you don't move things through, bacteria keep growing. So when we say, so moving down to the intestinal tract, you know, what we call SIBO is slow motility and extra food. So you overgrow bacteria, even good bacteria. And the, the bacteria ferment, so they produce, ga produce gas, so we get trapped gas and bloating. But that also damages the gut lining, so you end, it ends up being more porous. So not only do food particles leak across, but also bacteria, pathogens leak across into your bloodstream and end up in your brain and everywhere else in the body. And it basically goes all the way down the track. So if the problem is slow motility, excess food, overgrowth of bacteria, you know, a lot of people are using probiotics, which can help, but it's hit or miss. Sometimes you're just adding fuel to the fire. You're dumping in more bacteria. So what you want to do, you know, first of all, is control the stress. So sometimes herbal supplements like ashwagandha, passion flower, things like that can actually help with stress which helps with motility. So you reduce the stress. It's up to the person. They need to change their diet, more vegetable fiber, cut out those carbs. You know, those things are all really important. 
Um, but there are some herbs that are really helpful. So one of them is, is finding a source of something called mucilage. So mucilage, so, so what protects our gut lining from bacteria is a mucus layer. So that's really important to maintain that mucus layer so the bacteria don't damage the gut wall, which is what happens in leaky gut when you have that bacterial overgrowth. So we want to restore that. So mucilage is a natural mucusy substance that does that. And you can find it in a plant called the marshmallow plant, right? Mm. So marshmallows were the what marshmallows used to be. So they started using this. You get the mucilage from the root, it's sticky, you add some sugar in it to make it more palatable, and kids started uh -huh. using it as a treat, and then finally it became marshmallows in the store. But another and actually better source is a plant called, a tree called a slippery elm. And for the small branches, you can get the, uh, the mucilage and, um, you, and taking that as a supplement, and I think that's good for anybody, right? Because we all have a little bit of this. So I take it pretty regularly, and it just helps protect that mucus lining. Um, other herbs, there are many herbs that can help us kill that bacterial overgrowth, um, and, but especially the pathogens. So berberine or berberine-containing herbs like golden seal are very good for that. And they actually lower blood sugar a little bit too. So a lot of herbs, you know, the herbs have this complex spectrum of chemistry. So berberine and berberine containing herbs not only help balance the gut, they also can lower your blood sugar a little bit, which is exactly what you want. Um, yes, yeah. Other herbs, andrographis, which is one that I use during my primary recovery is a great antiviral, excellent for the GI tract. Um, so there are a whole series of herbs. Dandelion is another one that I really like. Mm -hmm. um, we typically, people talk about this for detoxification, but the algae chlorella I found was just excellent for nourishing and healing the gut. So I use that quite a bit during my recovery too. Um, so everything healed, but it still takes a long time for the food sensitivities to go away. Uh, but it's uh, but you can you can do it. What about people who struggle either falling asleep or staying asleep? Are there herbs for that as well? There are, but mm. yeah, you have to understand this. So, what everybody wants, you know, everybody struggles with sleep, and what everybody wants, what I wanted, was something that I could take an hour before bedtime. It would knock me out. I'd get great eight hours of sleep. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't have any side effects, no hangover in the next morning, and it wasn't habituating. There is nothing like that that exists yeah. <laughs> in nature or, or drugs. And, you know, and that's what we all want. Um, quite frankly, interestingly, the things that helped me my sleep more than anything else were the herbs that I was taking that I thought were for antimicrobial properties. You know, things like andrographis and there's another Japanese knotweed and garlic and, and cat's claw. These things because so much of poor sleep is because our brain is agitated. And in many people, that's because, you know, there's inflammation there. So it's hard to sleep when your brain's on fire. So some of these herbs that were actually reducing inflammation and throughout my body, including the brain, actually they helped me sleep better than anything else but they weren't sleeping pills. You know, I wasn't taking them just to go to sleep. So I think what you have to accept is that overall practice of better diet, better habits, sleep moderation, and then herbs just to keep you healthy, that's gonna do a lot to help everything in your body work better, including going to sleep. But getting there, some herbs that can really be helpful for sleeping um, in general, uh, passion flower is very good. Um, lemon balm is excellent. Sometimes I combine that with L-theanine, sometimes just a touch of melatonin. You really don't want to use much. So there are some sedative herbs. They're not going to be a, a, a sleeping pill, you know? I mean, it, it's, um, you look at the drugs, they're elephant guns. 
all of your herbs are going to be fly swatters, you know, because those sleeping pills, if you took two or three times a dose, you may not wake up the next day. And, and nature just isn't going to make something that potent. So most of the herbs, it's really hard to hurt yourself with. They're non-habituating, they're really good. Another one outside of that, um, uh, looking at uh, cannabis derivatives, CBD oil for a lot of people is really helpful for sleep because it's increasing endorphins and just balancing all of those things. So sleep, I think about it this way, you know, everybody is looking for like the sleep thing. All the drug companies are looking at which hormone do we ping to make people sleep and that's the problem because it's not that. So what happens with sleep is we have this whole big complex collection of hormones that basically keep us active and awake during the day and that that is led by cortisol. And, and later in the day, our cortisol levels start to go down and they wind down more and more in the evenings. And then that kind of tips the balance that it's like a tide coming in and a tide going out. So in the evening, the tide of your excitatory hormones is going out and your tide of your calming inhibitory hormones is coming in. And then in the morning, it goes back the other way. So it's really hard to mess with that whole system. So the more you can do to balance that whole system without messing up the system like a lot of sleeping pills do, you know, the better that you're going to sleep. So yes, you know, sleep was my big deal. I mean, I completely yeah. lost the ability to sleep. I ended up on sleeping pills and had to get off of them, which took years. So I'm not a big advocate of that. Um, and I just recognize though that there's so many things that we can do to just promote normal sleep so we can really enjoy a restful night. And a lot of it's how you go about life. Mm. I love all this because we've talked so much on our platform about root causes and how to go about health in this whole, like we always say, there's no one pill, there's no one greens powder, there's no one thing that's going to completely overall your health. That's right. Um, but one thing we haven't ever talked about is this holistic way of looking at everything um, at the cellular level. So this is like a new approach for us and for our listeners that they can kind of reevaluate health. And it's the same themes we talk about, but in a different way. So this is exciting. I'm excited for everyone to be able to hear this episode. And I mean, it sounds like your book is the best place to start, especially if you want to start learning about how to help yourself, right? This is not, I wouldn't say this is uh, talked about on, you know, most health platforms. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you have to be your own advocate and you have to do your own research. Uh, and I love that you've been able to kind of provide that platform for people to do so. Yeah, and I think too, just as we're closing, I, the one thing that people might be still questioning is, okay, I'm gonna read your book and I'm gonna look at you know the, the herbs, the layout that you have, you know the instructions, the breakdown, but I'm still sitting here and I'm like, okay, I definitely struggle with sleep. I think I have GI issues. I might have this and that. Am I about to just go and take 50 different herbs for these issues, right? Yeah. I mean, I could just imagine people thinking they're going to have an array of herbal supplements in their pantry. Yeah. That's what I picture. You know, that's the thing. When you approach it from the point of view of mm -hmm. cellular health, you mm -hmm. can condense it down. You, you know, herbal therapy can be really simple. And a lot of herbs, you know, you see so many different herbs and herbs from different places around the world. What I found was really interesting is that you find similar plants all around the world. You know, it's like one of my favorite herbs, rhodiola, is from Siberia. Well, I found out it grows in the Appalachian Mountains. And another favorite is gotu kola, which is a calming herb that's really good for your brain that's native to India. Well, I found out it grows along the coast of South Carolina. You know, so, so we have similar plants that are growing all around the world and they're really there for us and you really don't have to be an herbal expert. So that was the point with the book and bringing it down to the cellular level, 
You know, it seems so simple now. It took me two decades to get there. So it does really contradict the way that we're thinking. But once you get in that space, you'll find it'll make your life a lot easier. Awesome. Incredible. I love it. Well, thank you so much for yes, coming on today. It's been so Likewise. awesome. Yeah, and we'll link everything in the podcast notes. So if you want to find um, the book, if you want to find other information on um, herbs and how to help your own healing journey, we'll we'll link all of that and we'll also put it on our socials. All right. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been incredible. Thank you.